The Autobiographical Time-Traveling Adventures of Me by Doc Moran Brought to you by Ian Teagman Do you know Ian? If you do, please enjoy the heartfelt congratulations of all around you. If you don't, wither under the pressure of universal condescension and increasingly judgmental pity. Ian possesses beauty, style, glamour, a quick wit, a joyful presence, and the raw sexuality of a phoenix. Ian is not for the timid. Studies show that people who know Ian live inspired lives of adventure, good times, and clever repartee. Those who haven't met Ian suffer from excessive levels of blandness, malaise, and atrophy of the spirit. Ask your doctor if they know Ian. Ian, a paragon of human glory in the early days of the 21st century. Episode 7, The Sky's the Limit. A standoff was taking place at the information booth at the center of Grand Central Terminal. Three Nazi frogmen were waving submachine guns at the crowd surrounding them. A fourth Nazi, their leader, fiddled with a weapon of cosmic mass destruction trying to get it to work. And super-secret agent Barney Moran and First Lady of the United States Eleanor Roosevelt were facing off against the nervous Nazis, armed respectively with a wooden club and yet another submachine gun. Oh, also, an elderly clockmaker was crouched on top of the information booth trying to fix a golden clock that was stuck at 11.59 p.m. Suddenly, there was a deafening crash, and the heavy front doors of Grand Central Terminal exploded inward, torn from their hinges and hurled across the floor to the sound of splintering wood and rending metal on metal. Something fast and heavy had smashed through the double set of doors at the 42nd Street entrance. It was a heavily armored, emerald green 1938 Phantom Corsair automobile, an impossibly sleek teardrop tank with a front end edged by a sharp three-bladed bumper. Its engine roared as it flew down the entrance ramp, horn honking, careening through the main waiting room and down onto the slick marble floor of the main concourse. Its tires screeched as the driver cut the wheel hard and the futuristic automobile started to do donuts around the information desk. The driver was aiming for the armed Nazis and took them out one by one with a series of aggressive thuds. Bam! 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 If they had time to fire, it was entirely irrelevant. The Phantom Corsair refused to even acknowledge such crass creatures and petty shenanigans. His underlings eliminated, scattered across the floor rolling in fractured pain, Blau reacted with pure terror. He scrambled up the clockmaster's ladder and onto the roof of the information booth, knocking aside the elderly gent and leaping astride the golden clock. Frantically, he continued flicking the toggle switch of the weapon back and forth like a teenage boy encountering someone else's nipples for the first time. The driver slammed on the brakes, and the automobile rocked to a stop. The driver's side door swung open, and an elegant brunette leaned out of the vehicle, sporting driving gloves and a racy little green outfit coordinated with the car's paint job. She flashed a devil-may-care grin at Barney. Hey, handsome. Fancy a ride? Barney grinned and shot her a wink. Hi, honey. Eleanor, meet the missus. Eleanor Roosevelt? Rita Moran. Rita, the First Lady. Charmed, said Eleanor Roosevelt, with sincerity, but without taking her gun off of Herr Blau. Your timely intervention is very much appreciated, Mrs. Moran, but I fear we still have this hard little goblin to dispatch. If he manages to get that contraption functioning... Click, 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 went the toggle switch, and then, finally, it caught. Aha! shouted Blau triumphantly. The Gotterkosmisch Panzerfaust let out a moan like Jacob Marley on Haunting Day. Eerie golden light started to pulse, growing brighter and brighter, and the sound thrummed like a dirge from the choir of the damned. 
Spectral steam flew off the weapon like it was a hot plate of fajitas. Now, by the pure might of the Fierhazil, you will experience the power of the Third Reich. Heil hit! And hit he was, as Barney Moran's bog oak truncheon, hurled with force and accuracy, caught the evil little zealot right smack in the mouth. As Blau fell backward, toppling off the booth on a short, hard trip to the marble floor below, his body tensed and his fingers spasmed, involuntarily pulling the trigger of the Goddard Cosmic Panzerfaust. At that exact moment, the clocks of Grand Central Terminal all struck midnight simultaneously, and space and time screamed. A torrential ray of blinding golden light erupted from the weapon, streaming upward toward the vaulted ceiling above. It was thicker than regular light, and it pierced the air like a hot spear through butter. Not that people hunt butter, but you get what I'm saying. The crowd turned tail and stampeded for the exits, just as Red Cap Chief James H. Williams and substation supervisor Tom Dolowitz entered the concourse. They pushed against the fleeing crowd to join Eleanor Roosevelt and the Morans. Jacob Bachtold rose to his feet on top of the information booth. All of their faces were turned upward as the group stood witness to the impossible sights unfolding above them. They raised hands to shield their eyes, squinting through their fingers. Seeing was disbelieving. The otherworldly beam from the Goddard Cosmic Panzerfaust pummeled the ceiling. For a moment it looked like it would punch a hole through the roof and destroy the golden constellations painted in the celestial panorama. But then there was a sudden shift in perception and the ceiling was deeper than it had been a moment ago. Much deeper. In fact, it seemed less like an artistic depiction of the heavens and more like the legitimate article. The mural on the ceiling was alive, the depicted figures of the winter zodiac spinning in clockwork arcs across the cosmos. It had long been a curiosity for commuting astronomers and art world eggheads that all of the figures depicted on the ceiling of Grand Central Terminal, except for Orion, were backward. Conventional wisdom chalked it up to human error the work crew flipping the template backward when transferring the original image to the larger format. But now a great truth was revealed, with unmistakable clarity to everyone watching. The time was merely the motion of bodies through the universe, and a figure like Orion, facing the wrong way against the motion of all of the other bodies, was in effect moving backward in time. The mural turned reality, through the infusion of otherworldly power, was a glimpse at the phenomenon of time travel. The Goddard Cosmic Panzerfaust was a cosmic bazooka of the gods, and the great ceiling mural encapsulated time itself. But the anomaly unfolding high above was more than just the combination of a paranormal ray beam and a large interior design accent piece. The reaction had been aided, or perhaps exacerbated, by a cornucopia of elements. The fact that the clocks of Grand Central kept perfect time, that this house of transportation shepherded the literal movement of humanity itself, that the granite used in the construction of the building emitted strange radiations, and that the celestial ceiling was a crib sheet of ancient symbolism, characters from myth and legend, and the earliest understandings of the science of the universe. Suffice it to say, the events were a perfect storm, the elements involved were a cosmic stew, and the result was that a portal to space and time now existed in the ceiling of a train station. Its work done, the weapon shut itself down its power exhausted. The phenomenon remained, swirling above, waiting to be utilized. The observers started to come back to themselves. Looking away from the miracle in the ceiling, Rita Moran touched her husband on the arm. We should mop up the Nazi scum, she said. Herr Blau, sprawled injured on the floor, coughed. 
Barney walked over and crouched down to confront him, Blau craning his neck forward. You have fun this time, Barney Moran, but we will be back. Maybe not soon, but eventually. Like in, say, the first few decades of the 21st century. And in depressingly large numbers. We will sneak into the United States again and grow forth from your own peoples. But next time, we will operate under the guise of American patriotism. And we will be ugly and mean and loud and so very, very stupid. Perhaps one of us will even take a page from your book and disguise ourselves as the President of the United States. And when we do come back, you won't be around to stop us. It was the clockmaster who replied, Well, if we gotta be here in the future to stop you, it's probably a good thing a temporal vortex just opened up in the roof, he said matter-of-factly. Blau sneered and tried to spit at Barney, but the spittle just landed on his own face. Sieghai! All right, that's enough of you, said Barney through gritted teeth. Lights out, Fritz. And he punched the Nazi. End of episode 7. If you're enjoying this series, you can send a Venmo tip at Doc Moran. All one word.